Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. For just a couple moments, why don't you grab the hand of the person next to you and let's, uh, let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts and our minds today. I don't think we've done this yet. Let's pray in agreement that even though it's just a Sunday school class, the Lord can still move today. Amen. Lord, we're asking you to have your way in this place. Speak to our hearts and our minds and our spirits. Lord, anoint our lips of clay. Anoint my lips of clay, Jesus. Lord, help me to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Um, I'm not going to go. I know I normally get 50 minutes. I'm not going to go 50 minutes today. Everybody say amen. I told a... I told a Brother Anthony and Sister Donna and Mom and Dad, we were sitting around the table. I said, I'm going 15 minutes tomorrow, and that's it. And Mom said, it'll take you 15 minutes to get started. <laughs> amen. But I'm thankful to be in Sunday school today. Amen. How about you? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to John chapter 3. Told Brother Anthony before Sunday school, I said uh, I was studying last night and I thought I may pull a Brother Anthony and get a quarter of the way through the lesson and not finish the rest. Because <laughs> when I started studying, the Lord was directing me in a, a way that's not necessarily the lesson, but I'll, I'll try my best to pull it back in. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. I got a long passage of scripture to read. I like to let you all sit down when I read a long passage of scripture. So John chapter 3, verse 22, going to be reading the verse 36, says, After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Anon near to Salim, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. For John was not yet cast into prison. Talking about John the Baptist. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ. But that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth. Talking about Jesus. And no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hand. And this is our focus verse for today, verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God 
abideth on him. He that believeth on the Son shall have everlasting life. We're going to talk about today the mighty God in Christ. The mighty God in Christ. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Lord, you're holy, you're worthy, Jesus. Jesus' name. Amen. The mighty God in Christ. Anybody ever hear the old song, All in Him? That's one of my favorite songs. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. The fullness of the Godhead. It's all in Him. Amen. How many is thankful for the revelation of one God? How many is thankful for the revelation of Jesus' name? Amen. I think it was Brother uh, T.W. Barnes that said, we're a people of the name, amen. We're a people of the name. And I'm okay with that. (laughs) Amen. In his historical novel, The Virtues of War, author Stephen Pressfield recounts a fictional meeting between Alexander the Great and a philosopher. Alexander the Great had conquered the then-known world and was a powerful leader, herald, and feared by countless subjects. Pressfield posed that the famous emperor encountered a philosopher on a riverbank, and the two men engaged in an argument over who had the right to cross the river first. One of Alexander the Great's men exclaimed, This man, talking about Alexander the Great, he has conquered the world. What have you done? And the philosopher replied, I have conquered the need to conquer the world. <laughs> like Alexander the Great, it is easy for us, even as followers of Christ, to become intoxicated by pride. Amen? We may even find ourselves engaged in spiritual pursuits for carnal reasons. John the Baptist is such an intriguing figure that we're going to talk about today because he was willing to let his ministry be diminished so that Jesus could be glorified. In John chapter 3, verse 30 that we read earlier, he summarized the whole goal of his ministry by saying, he must increase and I must decrease. That's a hard thing for flesh to say. Nobody wants to say, let me decrease, let me get less. (laughs) I'll just let you know, I was one of the ones complaining that I didn't win yesterday. (laughs) He must increase, amen? From that point forward, John made that statement probably not knowing what was really going to happen. Because from that point forward, John the Baptist faded into the background in a prison cell while Jesus took center stage. John's words and actions testified that he had conquered the need to be in the spotlight. He chose the path of humility, knowing that it was the only way for God's kingdom to be advanced on earth. And really, that's what it's all about, is the kingdom of God. Amen? I love the fact that we sang that song today, Let Your Kingdom Come, because I'm going to talk a lot about the kingdom of God today. Contrast John the Baptist's example with what we routinely see happen with today's celebrity craze, spotlight craving culture. Everybody today wants to be in the spotlight. Everybody wants to be. They call them influencers now. 
you make a, a five-second TikTok video and you can get a million views. Everybody wants to be famous. Every little kid growing up used to be, I want to be famous. I want, that's my favorite football player. I want to be like them. But John the Baptist was putting himself in the background. Many professional athletes, if any of you know sports, many professional athletes, it's funny, they always attempt to hang on to their career when they've passed their prime. They're unwilling to accept that they're no longer capable of completing, uh, competing at an elite level. We see it all the time where a great quarterback will play till he's just a little too old. And instead of ending on a high note, he ends at the bottom of the league compared to where he was. They seem more concerned about their ego than the success of the team. Politicians continue to seek re-election, even when it is clear, I'm sure we could all think of a politician, that it is clear they no longer possess the strength, the energy, the ability to stand in office. (laughs) I didn't say a name. Because there's politicians on both sides. (laughs) They live off of yesterday's achievements. And if we're honest, politicians really don't have very much achievements to begin with. (laughs) Besides getting money from voters. Not considering whether they are able to adequately represent the needs of their country or their state or their county or their city. We must put his kingdom first, amen? We must understand, and this is hard for us, again, that our personal ambitions, personal ambitions aren't wrong. It's not wrong to want to do things in life. It's not wrong to want to have things in life. God wants, he gave us those desires. But we must always remember that the kingdom of God comes first. There's a song that was written in the 2000s, 2010s, to the young people, that's old, that says, anything that I put before my God is an idol. Anything that I love with all my heart is an idol, amen? Things may not necessarily be wrong, but I don't want things to become an idol in my life before God, amen? I must remember, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Amen. Come on, we know that passage of scripture, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. We all want personal things, but we put them uh, before God. But this scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. All these things. Oftentimes, we seek God not really seeking Him out of love for Him or drawing closer to Him, but we're trying, Brother Justin, to force blessings in our life. We pray, we fast, we read God's Word, we come to church only with the intent that if I do this, God will bless me. Instead of putting the kingdom first. 
We need to realize as, Christ, as apostolic, here's the difference between apostolic Pentecostals and Christians uh, apart from other Christians. They base God, uh, their lives, or they base God around their lives, most Christians. They're the center, God fits in around it. We believe in, we base our lives around God. God is the center, and we fit everything else around Him, amen? But if we're not careful, we're not going to fit God into the rightful place He needs to be in our lives, amen? We need to realize that if we seek the kingdom of God, that's what He says, seek the kingdom of God, seek His righteousness, seek Jesus, not, not, yes, I love the promises. Yes, I love the blessings. I love all of those things. But those things already come just because I'm moving and pulling and, and, and chasing after Jesus. Amen. And sometimes, if we do that, most of the time, that's what we need to realize. Most of the time, if we seek God first, he'll give us the blessing that we want anyways. But sometimes that blessing that comes is not how or what we think it should be. And we get angry and we get upset. This lesson, I'll just tell you, this lesson spoke a lot to me when I was studying. We must remember, I must remember, God knows best, amen? God knows best. In serving God... The spotlight will not always shine our way. Sometimes we must be content to live in the shadows. Which is not enjoyable for human nature. But sometimes we must be content to live and minister in the shadows. Confident. We need to be confident in God's plan for us. Confident in the knowledge that God's plan will be accomplished, even if it's not how we think it should be or what we want or if we never even receive recognition. This is something I, I'm trying to learn is we all have heard the scripture, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And most of the time, y'all have heard me say this before, most of the time we only equate that to when everything's going right. When I'm being blessed, when I'm healthy, when the church is growing, when my financial blessing is coming, my steps are ordered of the Lord. But we don't often apply that scripture to when things are going bad. Because <laughs> most of the time, I'm guilty of this, when things go bad, we say, why God? Why me? Haven't I prayed enough? Haven't I fasted enough? Haven't I read my Bible enough? I, I preach your word. I dedicate my life to you. I come to church. I, I, I center my life around you and not try and fit you in in my schedule. Why? But we must remember the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Amen. In the good, in the bad. My steps are, I have to believe. That's what I was telling Brother Paul the other day. We were talking about something. We were saying, 
uh, I told, and we were worried about something. I won't tell you what it was, but I said, uh, we just have to remember this. We have to believe that God wouldn't let us do something knowing it would harm us. That he was ordering our steps in the way that it needed to be. Life and ministry frequently involves many hardships and heartaches. Anybody ever experienced hardships and heartaches in life? And when I say, I'm going to say the word ministry a lot. But when I talk about, when I say ministry, I don't necessarily mean the Western idea that we have a ministry, which is just a a certain select few people. But we're all part of the ministry of the body of Christ. Amen. We say this scripture a lot, but we don't realize what it means a lot of times. We're peculiar people, chosen people. Royal priesthood. In the Old Testament, the priesthood was the Leviticus tribe, the tribe of Levi. We, because of his blood, we are adopted into that royal priesthood. We need to understand that. It's important that we understand we, plural, all of us. Somebody say me. We are a royal priesthood, and living for God and in life in general, unfortunately, everything does not go our way. In fact, the Bible says in life there are, life, there are trials and hardships. There are troubles in life. Life is full of troubles. That doesn't make me feel good sometimes. <laughs> Some of those difficulties arise when we lack understanding of who God is, who we are, and what he's called us to do. Personal understanding is important. Because oftentimes we have knowledge but not understanding. Because we can have the revelation of the oneness of God like we're talking about today, the mighty God in Christ, but not have the understanding of who God really is and who he can be in our lives. Amen? We can know that his name is Jesus, but we cannot know and understand that he is Jesus in our lives. He is Lord over our lives. Amen? We can know that we're covered by his blood. Amen? I'm thankful I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. Amen? We can know that we're safe from sin. We can know that we need to have the Holy Ghost and be baptized in Jesus' name. But not understand that we are children of God. Amen. How many is thankful you're a child of God? And I'll just tell you, with being a child of God comes certain authority and certain power that we are allowed to exercise. And sometimes, like I said earlier... Difficulties come because we don't understand who God is, who we are. We don't exercise the power that God's given us, amen. And we don't allow God to be Lord over our lives, amen. We can know that the church has a calling to reach the lost, amen. But we can, we may know that, but not have an understanding that that calling is personal. To each and every one of us, amen? The Bible says, I think it's uh, Hosea, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. 
And I've heard people preach that that means we need to know the devil. We need to know his tricks. And I've heard people preach that we need to obey the truth that God's revealed to us. And all of those things are true. But I I believe that it can also mean a lack of knowledge of who we truly are and who God truly is. Amen. As much as it hurts to hear, you can sit on this pew, you can have the Holy Ghost, you can be baptized in Jesus' name, and not know who God is in your life, amen? You can pray and speak things and plead the blood, but not know who you are in Him, amen? Most of the time, we hear, Brother Mahaney said it a couple times, there's nothing, there's nobody angrier or more upset and sad than an angry Pentecostal. A weary Pentecostal. Frustrated, tired, discouraged. And most of the time, Because of those things, we live below the standard that God wants us to live at. And this is where I was talking about going a completely different direction with the lesson. (laughs) We live below where God wants us to. We live cowering in fear. I'm talking to myself. We live cowering in the shadows, separating ourselves Blaming God, blaming ourselves, blaming the devil, blaming anybody we can blame. (laughs) And we live below the standard that God has called us to live at. I hear it when we walk through the doors and I shake somebody's hand and I say, how are you doing? Oh, I'm barely making it. (laughs) And I understand that. (laughs) But God didn't call us to barely make it. And no, I'm not saying there's not going to be trials and hardships in life where it feels like we're barely making it, amen? But if we remember who we are through Him, who He is in our life, amen? The Bible says it. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, amen? Come on, it's time that somebody stops living under the the, the, the anointing, the calling, the level of life that God calls us to live in and start living as a conqueror, amen? Start living as an overcomer. Start living as a a victor. We gotta, I gotta get out of the shadow of fear. I gotta get out of the shadow of worry and doubt. And I gotta remind myself, I've got Jesus in me. I'm on the Lord's side. I'm on the winning side. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. Come on, somebody ought to stand up in this place and say, I'm more than a conqueror. Make the declaration to yourself. I'm reminded a lot of times of Samson where the Bible says he had to shake himself. Sometimes we don't want to shake ourselves. (laughs) We want somebody else to do it for us or we want God to come shake us. We want a a holy push to knock us down. (laughs) 
We need to understand who we are and who God is. I told somebody the other day, I'm just going to be honest with you. Recently, I told somebody, and some of you may laugh because it may seem like he lives at home with his mom and dad. He's got a truck. Got all these these nice shoes. I brought the shoes out just because people know I like shoes. <laughs> got all these nice things. What could go wrong in his life? And I told somebody the other day, I feel recently like I've just been living to survive. Physically survive, if you know. <laughs> and actual survive, just making it day to day. And we've all, we could all raise our hands and say we felt that. Some of us may be feeling that right now. I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to make it from today to tomorrow. Some of us may have even said, God, why don't you just leave me alone? Life is so hard right now. Why are you doing this to me? Just leave me alone and let me live another day. We have to realize God doesn't want us to just survive. Again, an apostolic Pentecostal who's frustrated, angry, sad, hurt, confused. We can be miserable people. (laughs) And the only thing... Pastor Mahaney can get up here and preach for an hour and come slap you with the Bible and tell you to your face (laughs) something from God. (laughs) But the only thing really that can snap us out of that mindset is ourselves. I heard Mark Morgan, I love Mark Morgan, he's one of my favorite preachers. He pulled somebody up on the platform at a conference, and he said, you want to know your biggest enemy? You want to know who will keep you from living how God wants you to live? You know who will keep you in fear? You know who will hinder your calling, your anointing? And he pulled out his phone, and he took a picture of the guy, and he said, I'll text this to you. (laughs) We're our own biggest enemy. As much as we hate to hear it, it's not the devil. The devil can put stumbling blocks in our life, but he can't make us do anything. It's not God. And as hard as life is, it's not just the things of life. Our biggest trial, our biggest problem is ourself. We got to shake ourselves sometimes. I got to look sometimes I just I just need to start looking in the mirror at myself and saying I'm more than a conqueror. <laughs> and some of us need to do that in this place today. Life is hard. There is an enemy of our soul who's going around seeking whom he may devour. There are troubles. There are trials. In life, there are problems. 
There, there's storms that we face. I'm not diminish, uh, diminishing any of those things, but there comes a time where we have to shake ourselves and remind ourselves instead of praying, asking God to show up on our behalf and, and send an angel and, and knock us off our feet and do some big magical miracle. We have to remember he's living inside of us. Amen. We're more than conquerors. We're overcomers. I just feel that for somebody in this place today. Tell yourself, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. When life gets hard, when, I, when I'm disappointed, when I, I'm pushed down, when I'm weary, when I want to give up, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. I can't do it on my own strength. I feel like I'm barely making it, but I know a God that's not barely making it, amen? I know a God that holds the whole world in his hands. I know a God that's... We live on this earth, but he sits upon the circle of the earth, amen? He has dominion. He has authority. He has power, amen? We got to remind ourselves. We get angry serving God most of the time. <laughs> but we need to remind ourselves who we serve. <laughs> King of kings. Lord of lords. Omnipresent, he's everywhere at one time. Omniscient, he's all-knowing. All-powerful. The beginning and the end. He's not, he's not uh, surprised by what happens in our lives, but he sits outside of time. Brother Paul or Brother Zach, I can't remember who it was, read the scripture Sunday. He is able, uh, faithful to complete the good work. We have to remain faithful. Will all of my problems, when I tell myself I'm more than a conqueror, when you tell yourself you're more than a conqueror, will that immediately make all my problems disappear? I wish. <laughs> Trust me, I've tried it. I tried it this morning on the way to church. Unfortunately not, but when problems arise, when life attacks me, when the devil is trying to wear me down, I can lean on the understanding. It's so important. I put that I read that scripture with people perish for a lack of knowledge because it's so important that we know and we understand who God is and who we are through him. Because if we don't, you know what we become? Mindless drones. Serving a God that we feel like isn't there and doing things we don't want to have to do. And we weary ourselves. Again, I know the devil tries to weary us. He tries to. But the biggest problem in our life is ourselves. I can lean on the understanding that I am a child of God, amen? Not just some dead prophet. Not just some statue. You hear these other religions, they'll go and 
pray down, pray to a, a, a statue, fall down. In the Old Testament, they used to sacrifice children to the statue of Molech. Dancing around the, the statue of Baal, a cow. I like to eat a cow. <laughs> brother Lon- yeah, Brother Lonnie. Hey, I was going to call you yesterday and say, save me a ribeye. <laughs> But I'm a child of the king of kings. Sometimes we don't understand that because we don't really have kings in today's society. We have democracies or dictatorships. But king of kings means any kingdom that's on this earth, any ruler that's on this earth, he rules over that. Lord of lords, anything that's in this world, any lord in my life and there can be a lot of lords in our life that try and push us down or hold us or or, or grasp onto us he's lord of lords amen it's a challenge life is hard people been my mom's been telling me that a lot if you think it's rough now wait till you get 50 and i keep saying i hope i just make it there <laughs> Or at least to the rapture. <laughs> Life's hard, but if I, I have a I have an understanding of who God is. Not just for someone else, not just what I hear preached. A lot of times we hear preaching and it just goes in one ear and out the other. Right now it's probably going in one ear and out the other. <laughs> of some people. Avery. No <laughs> Not just what I hear preached, not just what I read in the Bible. I read the Bible a lot of times and have to reread things a hundred times. <laughs> but of who he is, I said personal, who he is for me. Who is he for me, for you? Healer for me. I can know he healed somebody else all day, but not know he's the healer for me. If I have an understanding of who I am, not just someone saved out of sin, but a chosen people, chosen. We forget God chose us. He had Israel. Israel rejected him, and in the first place, he wasn't satisfied with just Israel. He chose us individually, a child of God, an heir of God. I'm an overcomer, amen. You're an overcomer. When it came to ministry or life, John the Baptist seemed to have numerous advantages. I'm going to skip through a lot of stuff because I spent a lot of time on that. Um, Both Isaiah and Malachi announced centuries in advance that John would be the forerunner of the Messiah. John's birth was foretold by an angel. 
who informed his father, Zacharias, what his name was going to be. <laughs> he was raised by devout parents. And Jesus was his relative. How many of you would like to have Jesus be your cousin? <laughs> How is that for a good pedigree? But... Jesus would even say this in Matthew 11 and 11. Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. It's difficult to imagine any greater words being said about somebody than Jesus himself saying, nobody born of women is better than John the Baptist. But none of these advantages... None of these accolades prevented John from experiencing the ugly side of life. At one point, while languishing in prison, he even questioned if he had correctly identified who the Messiah was. This man, Jesus' cousin, his birth was proclaimed by angels. He was named by angels. No greater man. But he said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 2 through 3, Now when John heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come? Or do we look for another? John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, Jesus' cousin, he himself questioned God because of the trials of life, because of the circumstance he was going through. Living for God, being a child of God, all those good things I talked about, does not make us exempt from the problems of this world. I wish it did. <laughs> And when I say wish, I mean it. I wish it did. But you know what it does give us? It gives us hope for a life with no more troubles. No more heartache. No more pain. No more tears. No more weeping. No more sorrow. Amen. John the Baptist's story, it came to an abrupt and violent conclusion at the whims of the vengeful Herodias. He was beheaded by the wife of Herod out of revenge for telling them that it was sinful to marry his brother's wife. He taught the truth and was killed because of it. The twelve disciples... Hand chosen by Jesus were persecuted and killed for doing the will of the Lord. Amen. He said it. This may not make anybody feel good. <laughs> but he said it. You will be hated among men for my name's sake. Even in the society we live in here in America with Christianity everywhere around us. We're still not really uh, liked very much for being Jesus name believers. <laughs> There's them Jesus name people. 
there was a preacher in Big Spring that every time he saw Dad and Walmart, he said, there's that Jesus name preacher. And he'd say, there's that Trinitarian preacher. <laughs> Other parts of the world, there are Christians that are killed and persecuted for his namesake. This is a tough pill to swallow, and I'm saying it for myself because I was talking to Justin the other day. I've struggled recently with seeing people that are great men of God, preachers, people. They're doing the will of the Lord, and, I, and they, they pass away young, or they get a disease, or something terrible happens to them. And I've been struggling, saying, why, God? Why? They're doing what you called them to do. Why would you let that happen to them? Are you really the healer? If we're honest, we've all asked those questions. You told me this. I thought you told me this, but it didn't happen. Were you really even listening? Do you really care? Having a relationship with God, fasting, praying, preaching his word, living for him, does not make us exempt from life. It does not make us exempt from heartache and pain. We can't fast. Some of us, we fast trying to get God to move. But really, if we follow what Jesus said about fasting, he said, we talk about the scripture a lot, this kind cometh not out but by, by much prayer and fasting. And we think he's talking about the devils. But really, he's talking about our unbelief. Fasting, prayer, it's not to get God to move on us. We're not forcing the hand of God. We can't force the hand of God. It's to put our flesh into a place where we have faith and trust in God. Amen? Living for God does not make us exempt from heartache and pain. I wish it did. I wish living for God meant no weariness. I wish being a praise singer or a worship leader or an usher or just a worshiper meant that when life got hard, I can flip a switch and God will take all those problems away from me. He can, but a lot of times that doesn't happen. But we have hope. Not in this world. The Bible says if we have hope in this world only, in this life only, we are of all men most miserable. If my hope's only in this life, my health, my flesh, my job, my money, my car, my house, my friends, my family, I'm of all men most miserable. Some of us are so miserable because we're only looking at this life. 
we have to remember this world is temporary. Eternity is hard for us to understand because we have a beginning and an end in this life. This world had a beginning and it will have an end. But with God, he said eternity. There is no beginning or end in a life with Jesus. Amen. This flesh is temporary. From dust you came. Dust you will return. My money. I don't have any money. If you looked on my card, I got $3. Because I spent it all on fishing stuff, Brother Seth. I was hoping I'd win that gift card so I could spend it on some fishing stuff. <laughs> Sister Letha, I need a Christmas present. <laughs> Money will be gone in an instant. <clears throat> we have hope in eternity. In life, sometimes it is hard to have faith in bad situations. It wasn't the outcome one would have expected from someone of John's stature. Nobody probably, John himself included, probably ever expected that he would end up in prison beheaded for preaching the law. But that's where he ended up. And in all that, I'm... I'm I only got like two pages through. Pull the brother Anthony. <laughs> In all of that, people, I'm going to summarize. People started to move from listening to John the Baptist to falling after Jesus. It's what this passage of scripture we read talks about. And John, instead of becoming angry, that his spotlight was diminishing, that his life was decreasing. He said, he must increase, and I must decrease. He said in John chapter 3, 29, the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. As a friend of the bridegroom, John was elated to hear about God's kingdom. The friend of the bridegroom, the friend of the groom, the friend of the bride is not the focus of the wedding. <laughs> if somebody came to your wedding, girls, women, dressed in a white dress, sparkly, would you be happy? <laughs> Men, if you were at your wedding and... The pastor says, does anybody object? And a man comes walking down the aisle in a tuxedo. <laughs> says, I do. We wouldn't be very happy. <laughs> but John was saying that the focus was not on him. The focus is, as much as we hate to hear it, the focus is not on us. It's all about Jesus. And I'm not saying he doesn't want to give us good things. Don't misinterpret me. He doesn't want us to have a good life. He doesn't want us to have things in life. 
He doesn't care for us. He does. But it's all about him. Our focus is on him. Our life is on him. John said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Paul later observed, he said, we are laborers together with God. John the Baptist possessed this attitude as well. And John recognized that Jesus was the only reason that he had been given this time in the spotlight to begin with. Whatever assignment God has called, given to us to fulfill, we must pursue it wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly while recognizing that as Jesus told his disciples in John 15 and 5, without me, you can do nothing. Too many times we try and do stuff without God. John's final words in John chapter 3, verse 36 is, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. As John showed us throughout his gospel, everlasting life only comes through Jesus. God manifested in the flesh. All things have been given unto Jesus. John confessed in John chapter 3, verse 35. The only way we can know God is through Jesus. And the only way to obtain everlasting life is to first put our faith in Jesus and obey his words. There is only one way to respond to John the Baptist's challenge we must believe. We must put our faith in Jesus. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9 says, The author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. In the New Testament, belief is more than just a mental assent to a set of facts. It involves a response of obedience. It's more than just saying it, but it's living it. John the Baptist met an untimely end at the hands of the wicked King Herod and his evil wife Herodias. But John's ministry would continue to influence his followers long after he was gone. In Acts chapter 19, the Apostle Paul was on his third missionary journey when he visited the city of Ephesus. And while in Ephesus, he met and engaged in a conversation with a dozen of John's disciples. At this point, John the Baptist had been dead for about 20 years. Nonetheless, his teaching still lived on through these men. These disciples of John noted that they had been baptized according to John's teaching. They said, we were baptized unto repentance. Baptized unto John's baptism. But they apparently had missed one of the key emphases of John's ministry. In Matthew 3 and 11, John had declared, I indeed baptized you with water unto repentance, but... He that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And when Paul asked them whether they had been baptized with the Holy Ghost, as John promised, they replied, We have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. Paul proceeded to give these disciples a short Bible study that bridged the gap between John the Baptist and Jesus. And these men responded to Paul's teaching in faith and obedience and were rebaptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. If you don't believe me, it's in Acts chapter 19, verse 5. Got to be baptized in Jesus' name. 
There is no record that these disciples of John argued with Paul or insisted that their current level of understanding was sufficient. But like their teacher, they accepted the fact that Jesus was the supreme revelation of God and they were willing to be baptized in his name. If we want to experience all God has for us, we must humbly acknowledge that God has been fully revealed in Jesus Christ and understand who he is in our life. Amen. We must understand who God is in our life. It has to be personal. You can go ahead and stand. I'm coming to an end. We must understand who we are through him. We must understand our calling to point others to Jesus. Seek him and his kingdom first. In life, in the midst of trials, in the midst of our problems. How many is going through a trial and a problem right now? As hard as it may be, we need to remember, it's all about Jesus. It's all about following him. It's all about following his will. It's all about following where he leads us. As hard as it is, we must trust God. Some scriptures that I wrote down that I'm going to read to close while I was reading through the book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs. Psalms chapter 125 verse 1 through 2 says, They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forever. Trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 6. We all know this. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lead not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. John chapter 3, verse 36. He that believeth on him, on the Son, Jesus Christ, has everlasting life. There's going to be problems in life. There's problems right now in life. There's hardships. There's trials. There's tribulations. But if we can understand who God is in our lives and who we are through him, we can make it through it. You can make it through it. Telling somebody today. I went a way different direction than this lesson was going to go, but I just felt the Lord told me to tell somebody today, you can make it. The weariness, the heaviness, the anger, the pain, the frustration. Here's what we have to understand. We're not responsible. We're not responsible for the result of God's word what God has spoken to you to do you're not responsible for whether it happens or not you're responsible for being obedient and so often God tells us something and we believe it we write it down in our journals. We say it to ourselves. And it doesn't happen in our timing. Or it doesn't happen the way we want it to. 
But we have to remember, it's all in God's hands. It's all in Him. I'm not responsible for the results of the Word of God. I just have to do my part. If somebody could make that up in their mind today, these two things. Trust in God. Believe in Him. And let God have control. It would relieve so much frustration and anger and worry and fear and doubt. Trust in the Lord. Lean not onto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. He shall direct thy path. John said it. He that believeth on him doesn't say will be free from trials. Will be free from pain. Will be free from troubles. But it says will have eternal life. And that's what we're really pushing for. Health may fail us. Friends and family may fail us. Life may fail us. But it's all temporary. I can't remember what it says in the Bible. It says, count it all joy. Count it all joy. Hey Amen. Why don't we lift our hands in this place and just spend a couple of moments in this place. Somebody needs to give some things to God in this place. Lord, I give you my frustration. I give you my fear. I give you my worry. I give you my doubt. I trust in your leading. I trust in your guiding. I trust in your understanding. My steps are ordered by you, even when it doesn't seem like it's where I want it to go or where I think it should go, and life is falling down around me. You're leading my steps in Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship the Lord in this place for just a couple of moments.